0: Growing a business is hard, but it does not have to be. Once a week, we take a break from the hustle and bustle in business to talk about innovations and what's new in the C suite. This is the Fractional C Suite Retreat, and I'm Joseph Frost. Pull up a seat at the fire, grab a drink, smoke a cigar, and just join me as we relax, learn, and get inspired. This retreat is sponsored by Your CMO, helping organizations grow with better marketing strategy. Welcome. Today's de- today's guest, he's dedicated to helping coaches accelerate their consulting practices. He is the author of the Culture Fix book and founder and actuator at the Culture Fix Academy. Welcome, Will Scott. Will, how are you? Great, Joe. Thanks very much for having me on the podcast. Yes, I love having you. Uh, I love ha- having our conversations together, and I'm super glad that you're here today on our podcast to share with our listeners. So let's get right into it. One of the Questions I like to start with are um, as around opportunities and opportunities at the C-suite level. And in particular, is there something that you see uh, as uh, in your world as working with cultures uh, that uh, may be an opportunity for other C-suite members uh, or leaders to consider and think about?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to mind on that is the fact that I still experience C-suite leaders often delaying investing in their culture, right? <laughs> because they have other priorities. <laughs> oh, we, well, we can't do that right now because we've got to grow revenues and profits. And, I'm, I, I, and of course, I try and encourage them to think about, oh, but if you put culture first, revenues and profits are gonna come more easily because you'll get your team working to, together better. They'll be more motivated. They will have purpose and meaning to, to, to their work that, that gets them excited. And um, investing in culture is a really low investment compared to all the other things they're investing in, right? They they want new products, new markets, but those all are risky and cost a lot of money. Investing in culture is a really low investment, super quick return. We We show, we measure these things. We can show improvements like going from scores of 50 on the EMPS scale to scores in the 90s in just four months if they invest in culture. You know, so I think that the, one of the number one messages I want the C-suite to hear is put culture first. We all spend far too much time as leaders focused on strategy. And, and, and I like to say that strategy is to thought as culture is to feelings. And when, when, when we're all strategy and thought and, and no culture and feelings, then we're denying really what it is to be human, aren't we, Joe? And um, if we just embrace that and, and even put it first, then um, I think, you know, and I've seen, and we have uh, lots of evidence that these uh, are more heart forward as opposed to a head forward leadership style, pays huge dividends and makes
0: everything else in the company and in the culture easier. Yes. So I'm curious how you measure that, uh, not being skeptical, but being curious. Uh, the EMPF score, that's, uh, to, uh, is that some sort of employee Oh, In so fact? yes. So, so
1: MPS net promoter score.
0: And um, it's, yes. it's
1: really, I, I, I like to use the scale, right? It's just a great scale. And if you remember, there's promoters, passives and detractors on that scale. Mm-hmm. Um, passives, passives are ignored, and detractors are subtracted from promoters. So it's a very unforgiving scale. And you can actually get a negative number on it. And um, uh recently, a client of ours uh, um, came up with a score that was 13. <laughs> and within a few months, we're going to show how we can improve that dramatically. So there's a couple of, qu- you can use a number of questions with the MPS scale. And a couple of that we like, Joe, are, um, for example, what score would you ha- give your company for having a great culture? And so if you poll 100 employees, and you get 90 responses, and they're all assigning a number between one and 10 for for that, you can get a really meaningful number. And what about, so we like to test that at the beginning, at the end of our our project, and then use that as as a way of measuring the the culture beyond. And uh, so, yeah, that's just one. Another great question is, would you unreservedly recommend working at our company to your best friend? Get a score out of 10 on that. Unreservedly, right? yes. Yeah, and 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 so these you yes, you can measure culture, Joe. That's just a couple that we use. There's many others. Um, we use core score, uh, which I'd be happy to talk about in, in, in the time of this podcast, but also we actually ask um leaders to really return measure roc or return on culture. How much of the increase in the profitability of the company can they assign to the fact that they have invested in culture? And like I said, so usually a low investment, high return, gives of course a really good ROI.
0: Yes, so when you uh, measure culture with NPS scores, are you ever looking outward at the client NPS score, or customer NPS score as a reflection of your culture investment? Or is it solely just internally with employees, with their, th- those questions that you ask from an NPS standpoint?
1: Actually, we, we like to teach that there's a lot of value in, of course, measuring your culture from within your population, be it the be employees or, or, or maybe even, um, you know, if you're leading an association or a not-for-profit or a religious organization, why not measure culture within the organization? But yes, I think your question is around, we also like to have a customer survey. Which also is, is, is looking for a measure, measure on, on the MPS scale. And we also have a vendor survey because we believe leaders are not just leading culture, not just leading a company, they're leading a culture which extends well beyond the, the four walls of the company.
0: Yeah. And have you been able to quantify causation between raising culture index scores internally and external results? Uh, or additional revenues or profitability um, or more objectively.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a number of things that, that you get into if you look at that. I mean, for example, uh, yes, we, we, we might look at, at the performance of, of clients. And we certainly don't just do a quantitative look at that. We do a qualitative look at that. For example, what values do you, Mr. Customer, see in our, when you're interacting with the employees in our company? That's a beautiful thing for, for, for a CEO to know, right? What values do their customers see in their employees? And um, often that's something that, that we're not aware of until we ask. And then I like to see that written into the cultural definition so that we can turn that into competitive advantage. Uh, but there's other things that we can measure, too, to your question, like uh, you know, turnover is a, can be a real reflection of culture, and we can measure the cost of that. So, yeah, there's a number of pieces that can go into it.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. It's such a warm and fuzzy topic to most sea uh, leaders' culture. But to be able to quantify and objectively uh, justify an investment or a focus of even time and resources on culture yeah. uh, is, is definitely eye-opening. And I know many people believe in culture and run their businesses with a strong focus. And I know many other entrepreneurs that don't. and um yeah i think personally that it's super important it's uh but it's a hard thing to pin down so what would you know you can measure it but then what goes into creating a culture like what what are so what's the kind of makeup is it just core values is it knowing your mission statement your vision statement like what goes into creating or building a court a framework for a culture
1: yeah well uh so we like to talk about uh implementing nine deeds in 90 days so there's actually sort of nine distinct pieces that that, that we believe are important. And really it's not, it, it, core values are very important and that's that's sort of step one. You need to have a cultural definition. Our cultural definition is, is goes beyond simply being core values. But then we believe that a lot of leaders have core values or a lot of companies have established core values, but very few actually have a valued culture. And we know this because leaders will often say oh you know we've got a great culture and we've got all our core values sorted out and then i just say oh great please tell me what your core values are and do you know how many times the ceo the leader of the company cannot even name all the core values in their own company and and, and then we say (laughs) yeah and and then we say okay can we poll your employees you know and see what they think about about your culture and of course that's one of the things we look for and uh, in my research, Joe, I can generally say that only half the employees can name only half the values. Yeah. So imagine this powerful tool. We're not only not using them, actually, we don't even know what they are. <laughs> okay. So I know, and you know, and I know a lot of EOers have drunk the Kool-Aid around having core values, but what's a, what's, what's a valued culture? And so we think there's these nine steps that you can take. to to go to really having a value culture. And the ninth one that we've already covered, which is talking about measuring culture. Okay. Um, So look, it's not just about core values, and and I could talk at length about this, but uh, let's take the core chart, for example, which is one of the deliverables, one of the things that we believe is really helpful part of our process. And that, yes, that has core values, but it also has descriptive behaviors for the core values, right? What do we mean by that value in our company? And then we believe it should, there should be a core purpose. there, addressing the why. So we like to see them address their why there. And then we have things like a core target and a core date. And that target is a number, but it's not a, it's not a number of profit and employees and things like that. It's a number of the goodness we do for the world. It's really a count of the why it's really a count of the why and put a real date on that. So we know when we've got there and that is hugely powerful. For folks for breeding loyalty within your company. If that is a juicy thing that people can feel, they want to stick around for that day. You know, I believe we can bring loyalty to that destination and then just make it a great journey by having values that people can really use and describes the, you know, the, the things like making it safe and where people can really be themselves and can feel, can naturally behave because they are in a line. They are aligned with those values. Final part of the core chart, Joe, is to make it graphically engaging. Because when we combine images with words, we augment our communal intelligence and increase our human bandwidth. Bandwidth to what? Well, to remember and to recall and to use these values. And that's research done by Robert Horn in Stanford showing that the the power of this. So um, we like to, that's covering the pieces, the anatomy, if you like, of a core chart.
0: I love that core chart idea. I've seen it before. You've shared it. Um, So just uh, off the top of my head, we have a core value. It's elevate your peers. That's the last core value we had. We have six core values, which is a lot. But we added that one recently, most recently, because we wanted to have a value that really talked about helping each other out within the organization and and elevating the, the peer group. And so, to take your core chart, then like what are behaviors that are associated with that would be what I would start to build out. Like, it's showing up to meetings, it's mentoring each other, it's jumping on a one-on-ones when asked. Like, those would be behaviors, right? Yes. But what, what and the why might be because we're all trying to build better practices for each other, and there there may be a why behind there. But I've not heard, enough or nor did I. Maybe I heard, I didn't, didn't listen. Is putting a target to what that good is so. In that example, would it be something along the lines like we want to mentor a thousand people in, in the community with, or something like that? Is that an example of what, how you would put a, a yeah. number around yeah, that so, so core value?
1: Yes. Now, I, I'm, so I don't talk about putting a, a number for every value, right? Yeah, okay. I think you said elevate your peers is one of the values. Right. But what's the why for the organization overall? OK, so it's picking one why separate from the core values that yes that's right and and of course the the core values you know definitely support us getting to that why but um but but that might be your why you know is is is, um is to elevate a thousand people's lives by 2025 but i would still say as you actually um, insinuated but why so elevate their lives why so that and i find the really powerful two words are so that because often that, that could still be what we do. Elevating people's eyes could still be a what, but the why might be, you know, so, so that they can, you know,
0: reach their full potential, as we say in EO or, 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 or whatever yeah. words you would choose to put on that. I love that. So that our, our why is to build life changing practices. So that would be the thing that we need to add to our why. I think so. And yeah. I think this
1: is often the case. And the so that starts to touch. On on something you can feel, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so it's nice that if if we get some sort of emotional tug in there, when when we've completed that sentence.
0: Um, But I do find a lot of yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, the things that come to mind are so that they can live more happier lives, or you know, there's there's that, and also just talking about it makes it more warm and fuzzy to me. So yes, that's a that's a great takeaway. Thank you for that. I'm gonna. I'm going to bring that back to my team. Like, oh my gosh, Joe's got another idea to share with me. And, but yeah, I think well, I, and,
1: I, yeah. So, so and, and you've, you've already sort of thrown a, a number out there. And what I find is really cool about that is of course, being able to, to measure towards that. And so what we really want is, is, is our team members when they're asked in the pub by a friend, what do you do that they don't say, Oh, you know, um, we, we, we sell software licenses so that people can be more efficient, but they say, Oh you know what we're, we're changing the world by by doing X, y and Z, which is our Y, and we just happen to do that by selling this this software that, that you know that power empowers people to do that
0: Yeah, I love it I love it. So you've got this uh, nine deeds you do in ninety days as part of your uh, process to establish culture, and uh, some of that includes. Making sure they're straight on core values and then making sure it could be measured. Um, you also have decided that to, to bring this out to more businesses to take it to other coaches and, and essentially train coaches how to deliver this to their clients. So tell me about how you went through that leap from doing it yourself, maybe within your organization to a few handful of people to I'm going to turn this into a, a coaching tool or resource yes well of course i'm still doing the the
1: direct consulting work myself with with clients you know that that um just because i love this work yeah and and every time i do one i have another great storyteller i have another core chart you know we're getting to the we're getting to the point joe where we're going to have so many gorgeous core charts that i think these are great examples to get out the world And it's going to make another book uh, so, book a coffee threes, table t- book. picture book for your coffee table. That's just right, it exactly. It would yeah. be exactly that, yeah. And I'm I, so I'm excited for that. <clears throat> but you know, well, having done this a few times, and uh, um, you know, and now I do think I have definitely got a strong passion, and maybe, and hopefully, a skill set that does help companies get to a really engaging why statement, and helps them not just have core values but have core values that are really unique to them and 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 meaningful Um, and yours by the way is 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 a good one you know elevate your peers Uh, there's a lot of things i like about that and i I do this with surveys and with interviews i'll also do some ride-alongs you know if 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 they have crews out in the field and i like to observe and listen very carefully for cool little catchphrases that are part of their language and when we put that into a cultural definition, it's not just coming from the leadership, you know, with words like integrity and respect, where you've got cool, unique kind of verbiage that the employees feel an affinity with and are already using. So um, I think this, this, there's some special stuff to that. But, but at, at some point I realized too, this is eminently teachable. And I actually asked some of my clients, hey, do you think, I could teach other people to do this. And, and they said, absolutely. You know, there's nothing special about you, Will. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then, funny enough, as soon as I had the Academy, which is um, the Culture fix Academy is where, you know, it's basically an e-learning platform where folks can, can amend a membership model, can come in and can uh, get all the downloads and videos and scripts and things that they need. And, and all our tools are made available there so they can take it to, the, to their clients. But as soon as I had this, folks were reading the book, The Culture Fix, because this is what happens, this is what I'm, I'm experiencing, Joe, a number of coaches, they're seeing that their clients do have culture issues. And they're sort of questioning, well, do I have to fix these? You know, Do, do I have to come up with these? Or does a does does solution already exist? And I've, I found that it didn't exist when I went looking. And so that's how I ended up creating one. But now coaches are saying, "Hey, I love I love these these steps in the culture fix because it just takes this nebulous culture thing and makes it something that I can take step one, then step two, and boy, after nine steps and ninety days, wow! You know, we've we've really transformed the culture here. So um, it's with great joy that we've created this community of coaches now, and we meet every week and we share, um, and we are taking this this out to our to our clients and we're growing their coaching practice and we're doing this really noble work that in, that's having a huge impact on the way people feel in, in in the workplace
0: and do you make your academy available to clients that might just want to have one of their team members learn how to do this And not necessarily a coach that's going to do it for outside organizations. Absolutely, call
1: it an external, call it a professional coach or an internal coach. Absolutely, internal coaches are also signing up at the academy and are are working this this process
0: internally. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, What have been some of the biggest, uh, you know, what have been some big ah aha's to you when you started having other people teach this or coach this to their clients? What were some things you heard back that you didn't expect? Well, um, there's there's a lot of things in there. I
1: mean, one right away is, so Joe, we're we're trying to have a billion dollar impact on the profitability of 10,000 companies and their million employees. Why? So they are loyal and fulfilled and have the freedom to be happy in those organizations. Love it. Yes. And so now one of our coaches has decided that he's going to take up the mantle of of 10% of that. And he wants to touch a 1,000 companies and a 100,000 employees over the next 10 years. So that was, imagine how that feels, you know, and we've decided we only need 100 coaches actually in year five to achieve this 10-year goal. But gosh, if I have enough folks like that, you know, we're going to really knock this out. uh, We're going to really (laughs) knock this out of the park. Uh, but of course, just the creativity that comes from some of the coaches uh, who, you know, the, the, there's different passions amongst them, but w- one of them is a sort of a journalist major and, and loves getting into the wordsmithing of, 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 of the core values with the client. Uh, others are more visual and so love bringing that, the, the, the graphics and the imagery to, to it. Um, and of course the stories they have to tell, right? We all love the, love the great stories. Um, w- w- one, com- one coach's company is, uh, they're in the construction business, uh, and actually for, um, for, um, large, um, military kind of sites, you know, where there's a lot of, you know, um, sailors or soldiers or Marines living on these sites with their families. And so they've got a really cool, you know, words to their why now about difference they don't just, you know, construct buildings on these sites, they are changing the lives for these families that rely on these resources on these sites. And one of the things that they're doing is stepping into the social media space for the first time. And what are they talking about? They're talking about their culture and they're showing their core chart. You know, it's a beautiful way to promote your company. What you do is to, you know, it's, it's basically around your cultural definition. So that, that hopefully that's an answer. Yeah, no, Some those, of the things that I've seen.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think uh, c- culture is such a great topic for social media, just switching gears for a bit. I feel like a lot yeah. of companies struggle to, what the heck do I do or say on social media? And one of the easiest things is to talk about your culture because it it if done well, it will reinforce it internally. Um, yes, that's right. To, to highlight internal successes around culture, but you can also use it to attract the right people to your organization, which is a big issue right now for companies. How do I attract the right people or any people for that matter? And then it also will bring the right clients to you. So it's a great topic for social media, but it's rarely the focus. Usually you hear about products and services. Yeah. And, and of course, yeah, leading with values is, yeah. is, is an awesome way to do that.
1: Leading with purpose is, is a great way to, to engage and it's naturally about people rather than about your your software or your product right. or your thing. And so you can have great stories to tell there and just start lifting up employees who, who caught somebody else committing a core value is another great thing. And engagement tends to be higher with social media when we're talking about those kinds, when telling stories about people as opposed to you know promoting
0: our product or, or some white paper that we've... Yeah come up with yeah and content uh is so hard to come up with as as a marketer i I know this uh, intuitively it's difficult to come up with unique content that um will separate you from your competition in the crowded space of social media yeah but your culture can easily do that because your culture is unique to you um what trust even if you pick a word like trust as a core value which is not the best word but what does trust mean to you is different than what it means to your competition. And you can put a camera on somebody over Zoom and say, tell me a story about trust and what it means to you in our organization. And in one minute, you've got a piece of content that was easy to come by and differentiating and can be shared on multiple social media platforms.
1: And, uh, and it's in get interesting and engaging. Yeah. 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 It's,
0: yeah. Uh, we, we've used that as a tactic uh, for a couple of our clients who are struggling with. Social media, and I and you know I developed a very simple to execute script for them. Um, oh, that's awesome! On core value questions, why questions, purpose questions. Yeah, and can, you can do it every quarter, fresh. Never gets old. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. There's
1: um, there's a company in um, in Indianapolis that's in the kitchen space, and actually. A lot of followers on, 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 on Instagram, huge amount of followers on Instagram. And because of course it's very visual is, is, is their products and services, right? And the, and the things that they do, it's not just kitchens, but it's also homes and so on. And the, we help them define their purpose as being about creating meaningful memories. And... Um, to think about that so so, so if, if they refresh your kitchen for example they're not just talking about granite and stainless steel they're talking about uh making meaningful memories in the space because that's that really what kitchens are about here. aren't they for families and neighbors yeah. is gathering around in, in there um, yeah, uh, yeah. and so meaningful memories and and you know being a sort of springboard to live your best life from and when they talk about that and connect that with with their thoughts on on social media you know it's no longer competing on price around granite and stainless steel it's it's about that and of course that touches the emotions in 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 the for for the family who's having the renovation done and um it's just uh and of course the close rate goes up when you can do connect with people that way price becomes less of an issue there's just lots of great things so i think what you're doing for your clients is really is really spot on there
0: yeah Uh, i think um culture is just such a Nebulous thing, and it's if you can put any frameworks around it or any tactics around it, it's going to be helpful. In, in yeah, all. and it does i don't think it has to be nebulous. I, th- I think that's 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 a common
1: misconception, and that's really what we're trying to, at the culture fix, is to is to fix, <laughs> is, is yeah. to make culture less nebulous, and not. We've talked a lot about measurement, but not just measurable. But what are the real concrete steps that you can take to have a great culture, and um, things like in a core chart. So that, and I like to say that that should never, a bit like a soldier, that should never be more than arm's length away from their rifle. So an employee should never be be more than arm's length really away from their culture definition, so that they can actually use it, and so that they're that they're memorialized in their in their head, and they can use them in those important moments. But then the, the rest of the nine deeds, you know, Joe, going to talk about, uh, for example, how to un how to measure uh, employee alignment with values. And, and therefore how, how to unhire certain folks that maybe are not in alignment and are holding the culture back, uh, how to hire using behavioral interviewing techniques and so on, uh, but really specific tactical stuff that we can take to make sure culture is, is not nebulous and, and is a real tool that we can deploy in, 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 in our organizations.
0: So let's talk about that a little bit as a, uh, in the context of working with fractional uh, professionals. So a lot of uh, our listeners and uh, my organization, we operate as fractional CMOs and there's fractional CTOs and CFOs and CIOs. And by definition, we're not full-time employees, but we're also very integrated in that leadership team and I, from experience, I can tell you that if there's not a cultural fit, that engagement doesn't last very long. Yeah. So, how can we take what you do and, and apply it to that fractional engagement to make them, them more likely to be successful or to screen each other better?
1: Uh, so you're talking about making sh- uh, applying the cultural definition to a more you know a more fruitful, more harmonious, more productive working relationship between yeah. the fractional. C-suite person and the company that they're their client. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A That's- yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so a, a great place to start there is, of course, is, of course, the, the values. And um, I would encourage all your fractional uh, folks to be when they're in that sort of um, pitch conversation that they are certainly volunteering, talking about what their values are and saying what kind of clients they work best with. Uh, so that we're immediately getting into that value conversation. And I find that can be you know, really helpful in sort of in, in getting through the clutter quickly and establishing is there going to be a fit. So I'm a coach. These are my values. And these are the kind of clients that I work best with. And it immediately starts to, to, to get, and actually can create a little bit of that amongst the client that you're addressing, a little bit of that, ooh, that sounds good. You know, oh, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to work with this coach. I want to be one of those companies. So I, I I really encourage that. And I also think on the, on the company side, for them to be clear about their values and the kind of employees, stakeholders, consultants that they would work, that they work best with. And look, use the core score to, to actually put a number on that. And, um, you know, you can find the course score if you, go, if you go to my book, The Culture Fix. And if any of your listeners are actually interested, just please, you know, email me or reach out and I'd be happy to share share it. But it's a tool where we basically look at um, applying a scale to the alignment of that individual with the value. So if you can imagine a spreadsheet and we've got, you know, the, the candidates may be down, the, down the left-hand side, we've got the values across the top. And then the scale is a sign of three if we think this person is going to show this value all of the time, two if it's some of the time, and so on. One for none and a zero for, you get the idea. And that can take what otherwise can be a sort of a gut feel thing and at least apply a number, a number to it. And if multiple people do this, then I think that number gets more accurate. And if we use this tool multiple times, then we as a group get more accurate about applying it too. So the core score can be a great way to take that kind of gut feel and put a real number to the alignment of, of, of those values. And I think that's that's one great way to, to really uh, make sure there is that
0: alignment between the coach and and their client. Yeah, in a many ways, uh... A fractional professionals similar to a coach, and that they have to have a match there. And there's a yes. consulting kind of arrangement that's going on back and forth. Yeah, sorry, I, I should have used the term, you know, for a fractional, perhaps fractional coach as, as opposed to coach Yeah. in answer to your question. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, and you can do that core score for vendors and even clients, I suppose, right? That's right. That's right. And it's a beautiful thing. This this I this is a hundred percent of
1: the times that I've done this and I've done this live in workshops is apply the core score absolutely to customers and hey you know Mr X who's your best customer what are your values what score would you give your best customer with those values and of course they're giving them you know high scores across oh yeah you know absolutely and then let's take your worst customer and I don't like to apply the term worst necessarily but you know it it, it helps the exercise. And uh, of course they score very low. Which, which customer has a lot of friction for your team? Oh, this, this low scoring customer. Which customer is, has very low friction, is easy to work with? Oh, this high performance, this customer has a high alignment for us. Where are you making money? With the great customer. Where are you losing money? With this customer. Unhire that customer can be just the greatest gift you can do for your team. And everyone goes, oh, you know, Thank goodness for that. And the revenue probably wasn't worth it because we were losing money anyway. All right. So yeah, course score, applying that to, to clients, you can do it for vendors. But I think, Joe, it's funny you should say this, but I think very, very few companies are actually looking to measure their stakeholders, their customers and their vendors and others against their, their, their stated core values. But it's a beautifully simple tool and can be just huge when, when it's when it's applied um, including with customers as you said
0: yeah one of the things I've been thinking about a little bit is uh, how employees individual core values sync up with the organization's core values and have you done any work along that with like a core score or like a match or a sync because I I feel like that's something that we take we, we assume that the core values of the company are the core values that drive individuals or should drive individuals. Really, it's their own core values that are likely to drive them within the organization. And, and having a fit there is, is super important. Um, but, but we don't spend in, I I'd say we. I have not seen many people spending time asking their employees, so what are your core values? And how do we align or not align on some of those? Have you done any of that work or seen any of that? Well, I, I think that's a, a,
1: that's a tricky field to get into when we're sort of asking the employees what, what, what their values are. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, but I, do, I, I do certainly believe this, this is helpful, of course, is to talk about what the company's values are. And when we do the core score, and let's say someone's getting like an average or even a low score in terms of alignment with our values, it's definitely giving them feedback, Joe, and specific feedback where they observed a real you know real story so you you can't just say hey you know you just don't score well on teamwork is not helpful but to say you know we've noticed that one of our team and we've noticed that you seem to like working alone for example and you're less collaborative and 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 remember last wednesday when we were doing this thing in the whiteboard and you sort of broke away with your laptop and came up with your own solution you know that that's a great example of when we saw you your preference being, and perhaps it's one of your values is to work alone as opposed to work with a team. That, and then they go, oh yeah, that's true. When I pulled away with my laptop and kind of dove in in my own little world into a solution, that wasn't collaborating. And, And so you have a real conversation about that. Yeah, and we find it's better when everyone's ideas are coming together and we're all at the whiteboard or all using whatever technique we use to work as a team, That um, when you pull back, you know, that that doesn't look like teamwork to us. That's helpful. And so maybe that individual then can can actually buy into and see what we mean by teamwork in our company.
0: So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I like that example. I want to just dig deeper, though. I, I feel like individually I have I know what my core values are. I know what drives me, what motivates mm. me, what's important to me. And I am also in a leadership role and in a founder role. So I can create a culture and a company around me. <laughs> Very much what entrepreneurs do is, is their company yeah. culture is essentially an extension of their culture. That's at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, But I think equally important are each one of my employees has something that drives them. And I'm not suggesting that I need to change my culture to, to fit what's important to them. But I do think there's value in understanding those individual values. And, in, and then trying to see, you know, are there some areas that sync better than others? And are there some roles that more importantly are better for people with different values within the greater organization? Um, and I just think there's something there that's worth exploring that I've never seen really. Yeah, well, I...
1: I, I... I remember one time a couple of years ago, um, and this individual was the leader of what was like the plant manager, right, managed the factory floor. And I remember this individual saying, um, oh, yeah, well, I know, I know the company's got values, but I've got my own values, you see. And um, that and then went on to say about how, you know, that's what what they live by is their own values. And it was a little bit of an alarm bell for me. Um, and and so when when we uh took the course score and applied it to that individual, you know, we did actually see a bit of a mismatch there. And this person was 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 always going to be think putting themselves first and wanting to, to to lead with their own. And that person, that individual did not work out, actually. They ended up they ended up leaving because they weren't feeling, I think, really in alignment with with that. But I, I of course I think that. Our, our team members in diverse and hopefully represent all the diversity of the humans on the planet can be represented in an organization, but there is a common set of core values that they do still align for. So they might have additional values, but hopefully they at least, which is why I like the number four. I think four is a great number and maybe three is even better and five is okay. Uh, you said six, Joe, yeah, I, I, I think, lot. you know, getting to six, we, we sort of, folks find it hard to remember once they, they get beyond the fingers on our hands. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I often find too that you can actually, a couple of them can usually be combined, but uh, yeah. So anyway, I still think that from for, for leaders, uh, a, 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 a safe leadership practice is just reiterating what the values of the organization are Showing people um, lifting and lifting up the stories where those folks are actually demonstrating that that value, um, correcting folks when they are not in, in alignment with those values, giving real stories that show them, you know, how perhaps they could align better. I think in the end, that's when the real power starts to happen. And we often refer, don't we, we're talking about teams, to let's say Navy SEALs, where you know there's a very strong code of conduct there. And look, that team is just more successful when those folks are really bought in to what that code of conduct is for, for, for the team.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think there's, uh, it'd be an interesting study to, to map out individual core values on inside of a large enough organization within teams or divisions or departments with the corporate core values, and just take a look and see how much Of those are complementary, are common, are competing, and then go back and say, "Okay, let's map out the problem people, or the problem areas, or the problem divisions, or the what underperforming groups, and see if there's a line if if having real alignment with the core values amongst individuals and company showcases success or higher degree success than when there's less alignment." I think it'd be fascinating to see that.
1: I, I I agree. I think that would be fascinating, and I believe I haven't used them myself, but I believe there are tools that that try to do that. You you know, there are survey kind of tools that have got quite a bit of data on this sort of thing, and um, I'm not sure how much they they talk about values, but they definitely are,
0: of course, looking looking at personality types. So yeah, so you see a lot of that there, isn't yeah, there? yes, yes, and I think. Those are wildly predictive of success when you have a match the so roles and percentage I, types. I um, agree. I re- I really uh, love some of
1: the tools that are doing that, whether it's predictive index or culture index or those kinds of things, for using that as part of the hiring process, not exclusively, of course, but using that as part of the hiring process. Very, very informative.
0: Yeah, it's it's just that it's an area I'm studying as I as I'm going through this journey of trying to discover this decentralized leadership concept um, where leadership does not need to be centralized within an organization and fractional is one step removed from that right so a fractional leader is a decentralized leader but if you go even further down the chain or away from the center uh, you can have leaders at every level of your organization and i think there needs to be some shared characteristics of what makes somebody leader that can be applied at every level of the organization, and I think values is one of those. I think good yeah. leaders know their own core values and um, make sure they surround themselves with in areas of uh, commonality with others, and that's that they can lead. <laughs> uh, uh, but I don't know that as I dive into that, I just think core values is like such a fundamental leadership characteristic that I think it's got to have some application within the larger organization too just like a personality test or assessment I should say uh, has yes. the same significance yes
1: and you know as hard as it is to kind of you know really get this right because there's some art isn't there as well as some science is uh is, is when you see the opposite happening when you see someone someone that has these stated values or come as these stated values but actually the company is really stomping all over, all over their own values because they behave differently from yes. what they wrote. And what they wrote was something that they thought would sound good and they put on the website and they put on the walls. But if, 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 if the leaders are not acting in concert with those, then of course everyone's just cynical about it and they have no value and people end up following what the example they see the leader setting, not what the values are. And, that, and that's when in big companies, you see a lot of scandals and you can, you know, I've blogged about some of those, but.
0: The one that I think is um, uh, worth exploring a little bit is this concept of a culture of accountability. Mm-hmm. You hear that term a lot, but what does it really mean and how, how is it created? What does it, what does a culture of accountability mean to you?
1: Yeah, well, I think so, so many of the, of the systems that we try and put in place are trying to uh, in, in establish or enforce accountability, aren't they? Whether it's, whether it's um, you know, EOS or scaling up or any of these things, they've got a lot of tools in there, such as accountability charts or, um, you know, goals, uh, KPIs, you know weekly metrics these are all just trying to get people to do what they say they're going to do or to have some kind of accountability right that we can that we can lead against and i think those are important and helpful and and they tell a picture and of course we need to have data and all those things as leaders in companies but what i think is even more powerful is if we have people that are naturally wanting to do what they say they're going to do because it's in their heart, because it's just truly a value that they have, where they were raised with it or decided it was important or wherever it came from. Uh, If somebody says, yeah, you know, I'm going to get you that report by noon on Mondays, every week, that they just do it.
0: Yeah. And how do you build that culture? Um, Because I don't, you know, a spreadsheet or a scorecard doesn't build that culture. There's something deeper that builds that culture.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's why I say I think it helps if I know I'm going to be measured or or I'm going to be held accountable at noon on a Monday for having got that report in in time. But what if there's just it's really in my heart, as I say, and I naturally want to do that because there's, there's, there's a joy to doing that, because I know that this report has value to the people I'm serving. And I, I, I want them to have the information, you know, that's in there because they're going to make better decisions and that's why it's so helpful if it ties back to the why. Do I have a why? Yes, this report is not just a report on Mondays. This report is helping make decisions which help us fulfill our mission of doing goodness for the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I think, yeah, I think values are are are, are, are hugely helpful to
0: an, a culture of accountability. Yeah, I think so too. Um, what a... Let's switch gears a little bit, so just you you're around a, a lot of good leaders uh, or you know le- successful leaders. What would you say are some of the characteristics of a successful leader
1: well uh, in, in today's world i think <laughs> I think some of those skills are definitely some of the things we're talking about here, Joe, right. which are the softer side of leadership skills right um, you know, there are people that have spoken and written far more about this than me, you know, but I'm thinking of vulnerability is one of the first things that I think, you know, and, and that's a changing skill set. I think baby boomers were sort of raised with a different mentality about what leadership, leadership looks like. But some of the best leaders I've seen are definitely ones that can, can, can um, show vulnerability. Now, why do I think that helps culture? Well, if, if a leader's willing to be vulnerable about it, maybe a mistake they made or will stand up in front of people and said, you know, um, um, uh, Joe, I, I want to come back to a conversation that we had in that meeting yesterday with the leadership team. And I said something to you which uh, I imagine might have hurt you and which I'm not, you know, proud of saying. And I want to apologize to you. And I certainly want to say that that's not in keeping with our value of X, and uh, gosh, you know, and that's just a, a sort of a, a simple example, really. But I think that, parlayed frequently and across the company, makes everybody treat each other better, maybe more with more kindness, and makes everybody feel safe. Adapting that sort of softer side of, 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 of a leadership side, and that's really the beauty of it, about if a leader's vulnerable. Now I can be vulnerable. And I can have step into that conversation around feelings. And I can also, of course, feel, feel I can be my whole self at work. And if I'm my whole self at work, I'm much more like to be loyal and find joy of work there and bring my best creativity. Think of the flip side of that, where if somebody's kind of, you know, if, if our culture is to sort of talk over people and put people down, um, what happens? What happens? I, I mean, I, I, I shrink, you know, and well, I'm not going to take a risk and say that. Um, and therefore, I'm, I'm not going to bring my best anymore. I'm not going to be my most creative. I'm not going to feel fulfilled. And I'm going to start looking at, at, at jobs elsewhere. And so um, there's such a great opportunity today for, for I think for leaders to, to have this uh, more heart forward and less head forward leadership style that really sees people Makes people feel connected. Makes people feel good, and that that's where loyalty will come in. And why would they risk going somewhere else if they really are happy and feeling good,
0: you know, where they are? Yeah, I think I hear I hear you, loud and clear. And that's a common well. It's, it's I hear that answer quite a bit when asked the question. Vulnerability is one of these traits of a good leader, uh, a successful leader for sure, and it does create. Uh, an atmosphere where others can be vulnerable and feel safe and uh, heard and voiced.
1: Yeah. I think perhaps some of those other sort of leadership skills are certainly you know, the people first kind of a, a leadership style um, and caring, you know, now uh, to some of you, I'm just going to show us this sounds, you know, like, like the soft side of work. what about getting work done and all that sort of thing. Well, I I, I think that comes too, you know, both can exist, and it's better when they exist together. Accountability and people will absolutely—they feel cared for, and they feel like there's opportunity, and, and they can bring their best and their whole selves. I think we're only going to get more productivity, and yeah. and compete better, and all those things are going to come too.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah. What about um, what about the concept that everybody in an organization? can be a leader in their own way. What, what do you, how do you feel about that idea? Well, I,
1: um, again, I think it depends on, on, on the culture, but I've seen many cultural definitions. In fact, one came up yesterday, um, uh, California Closets, the franchise company. I don't know if it's still true, but years ago, one of their values was, we lead. And they absolutely were intentional about everybody being able to be treated like a leader and everybody was a leader. Um, right down through to the franchisee employees who are going to someone's home and, you know, leading them through a design, maybe, right. or leading them through the project and leading with the values. Another one of their values, by the way, was we value we. So now, if you put we lead and what I, that example I just gave with we value we, you can get, you know, leaders, but also valuing each other and that sort of community feel. And I love that when two values actually might seem juxtaposed, but when brought together, we're really starting to, to capture, you know, what I really think a cultural definition is, where we've got these multiple values, making sure that we're not extreme in one way or, or,
0: or, or the other. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that story about California closets, right? Um, I like that because I, I think that mentality of that everybody's a leader at every, any level, and the organization is powerful but con- conceptually, but how do you bring it to life? Because that's, that's the hard part. How do you yeah, do which that? is where it's important to have descriptive behaviors.
1: And what do we mean by, by we lead in, in, in our company? And put a bit of, bit of meat on those bones. Right. Makes, yeah, it, you, makes it much more usable and providing a language for, that employees can easily recall when they want to yeah. step into that uh, role of being a leader within the company. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, any other thoughts on leadership? What's, 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 when you think about a leader, what's the main job of a leader?
1: (laughs) Oh, perhaps, um, gosh, I, 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 what's the main job of a leader? I don't think there's a simple answer to that, but yeah. I, I do believe that if, if a leader um, puts people first and leads with values, then that's a really good start to being, you know, the main job of a leader. And then of course, having a, um, a goal or a destiny, a vision is probably the best word, a vision, what we call core purpose and going back to my core chart, a vision that says, what are we about? And and have that core date and that core target about what, what we're about. And that's why I love the core chart because I think if a leader can, can, can convey and answer all the strategic questions that an employee cares about in one you know, engaging image, then that's a lot of their, their work is done because now I know what we're trying to do, when we're trying to do it by, who we do it for, what we do, what, you know, and how and why and all that. I think that's, that's a great start. Yeah, it's and, a then, and then and then having that now just live by example every day around those those values and 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 vision. Yeah, yeah,
0: I've been thinking people about will that. follow,
1: and you will achieve. You will achieve what you're setting out to.
0: Yeah, like a leader needs followers, right? That's it's almost fundamental. Yeah. Um, yes, you need, and, you and lead and yourself, what's... but um, you know, outside of that, you need followers. And so, is the is the is the is the job to attract followers, inspire followers, uh, set a direction for people to go? There's just, there's just so many things that come with that question, and it's always a fun one to ask because it's hard to describe what a leader's job is, what a leader does. You kind of intuitively know what it is. You know a good leader when you see one or you went around one, and you yeah. know a bad one. Uh, yeah, but it's it's uh they need to inspire I, somehow influence
1: yes i'm trying to remember uh the name i think the name the, is, is mcgregor is, is a very well-known um and very established leader that has a leadership book that dates back a while and i remember when i was diving into that and sometimes i i, I flash this on on the screen in workshops and so on and he talks about le- the, the number of shot, one shot job of a leader is actually is being to lead understand the values of the people
0: you're you're leading and lead with values yeah yeah well that gets to the idea behind understanding individual values as well If I, if you mm-hmm. if you know your values you know the corporation value and you know the values of the people that you want on your team and have on your team you can help you can utilize that knowledge to lead
1: yeah and i think you've, you've talked earlier about how important it is that the leader the CEO, the founder, and you know, a lot of the sort of clients that you and I and your fractional uh, professionals have, is, is this idea of at least the, the company values need to be in alignment with the leader's values. So yeah. of course they can lead with that. And uh, I, I know I've got at least one example and it's it, from, actually from, from a company based in Asia where the leader thought they were doing the right thing in, in, in delegating the discernment of the values to their team. So their team had had buy-in. But what they came up with didn't really, the leader didn't love. And so I think that is absolutely a no-no and that the leader should be very much involved with the process of discerning values, include the team for sure. But what we want the values to come out of, of that exercise is certainly values that everybody, the leader and
0: the team uh, can, can, can run with. Yeah. And, and it is certainly okay to have values that are somewhat exclusive. Um, I feel like that could be lost in this idea of building values together. Like it's okay to have values that some people don't align with, and they're not probably good fits for your organization. It doesn't mean they're bad people. They're, they're just, they have a different set of values individually, and they need to find an organization that they can align with more. I think that's okay. That's an okay outcome of
1: yeah, these conversations I, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. By the way, I think it's okay, and, and thanks for reminding me about this, is that some companies might have a value that is a, a, a stated value of what they don't want. Yeah. That's okay too. And like I know at least two companies that have that, that have got as a value no assholes. Yep. <laughs> Maybe that's an obvious one. I've heard of that but, one. I uh, love that one. <laughs> Yeah, um, but you, your value might be what what or also statement of what what you don't want. But I remember one time uh, in one of my companies, we were kind of having a reset and a refresh. And actually, I bought into the company, so this was done with the with the, the founder of the company. And we announced what our values were, and there was an employee there who resigned, like within an hour of coming out of that meeting, resigned, and clearly. Just didn't like the direction we didn't like the definition that we put up for our culture, yeah. And uh, you know, what we were having we were kind of feeling some some issues with that individual, so I think values can really be helpful, and yet maybe they'll even vote with their feet sometimes, and that's actually probably a, a good thing. And it certainly wasn't in that example, yeah. It's very they good. were going to go on, um, in fact, instead of you know, um, working within a company, they were really going to go and have their own. Uh, practice as a 1099 you know software engineer and probably uh, you know much better thing for that person to do given their
0: values and their desires and so on yeah i mean if you if you as an individual value independence and uh you know innovation and creativity and you find yourself in a very regimented role within an organization that doesn't give you any of that that's 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 you know that's a painful experience every day you go to work you you should leave it doesn't mean that organization's bad or that job is bad it's just not a good fit but if you like that structure and that cadence and that discipline and you value those things you're a great fit in that role so, yeah. those those are both okay outcomes absolutely yeah,
1: absolutely that's right that's right and that's why I like using the word unhire instead of fire Joe because. Um, I think firing is, 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 first of all, very bad for culture, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and yet people talk about hire and fire and, and, and they'll say, well, you know, you're fired and sort of point the finger at them. I, I think that's just, and, and I like unhiring because, and especially using the core values for that unhiring conversation can be really helpful. And this is not about me saying you're bad. This is not about me simply saying that, you know, you're not working out it's really an uncoupling that says, look, and because wasn't I probably the person that hired you? So I messed up as well, you know? And I think that's a much better conversation for that individual when they, get, when, when they go on to a culture that is a benefit. And when we turn around and explain to our team members within the company, it's also a lot, um, a much better conversation where we can simply say, you know, so-and-so has has moved on. We had a conversation and, um, you know, we agreed to part ways and there was really an unhiring and uncoupling as opposed to us, you know, putting all the blame on on them. And now we don't have that language of firing. We don't have fear in our own company. And we know at least it's going to be a conversation typically around values, even more than performance, right? Performance may be a factor too, but most importantly, a, a
0: conversation around values. Yeah, values is an easier, I think, conversation to have around on hiring than performance.
1: Yeah, especially if you and I sit on the same side of the table, and we've got our core chart up on the wall with our values, and we're able to simply have a conversation to a standard that's not a, between you and me, but it's a standard that we're agree, that's agreed to. It's like our code of conduct, our true north. You know, that's that's there, and you can't really argue with it. So yeah, I, I and I've done that many times, and I think that is a very healthy way for everybody involved to have that unhiring conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, let's switch gear uh, one last time. What do you, What do you like to do for fun, Will? <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: well, um, gosh, I just I mean, main. It's a it's rather a broad statement, but I love being outdoors. You know, um, right before this podcast, I've been sitting here a few hours and. I just stepped out actually with my daughter to go walk around the block and immediately had that feeling. Oh, you know, just fresh air and being out. And so that, and I pursue that in a number of ways. I mean, I've binoculars right by my desk here. I love watching, you know, the the birds that are coming through. I live on a lake. And so there's a lot of migratory activity. Uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy being on the lake, whether it's, you know, skiing or kayaking or paddle boarding. Um, So uh, it, it's 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 a lot of a lot of that and of course that means i love doing that in new places too so i love being outdoors combined with traveling
0: and being new places exploring like that but what's uh what's a place you're looking forward to visiting soon anything you got planned
1: um what have i got planned coming up uh well you know what i'm going to be camping in um on on near, near a lake i always like being near water <laughs> uh with eos actually with oh, eo really? th- that's okay. the next trip next week uh, i am going to be uh taking the rv into the woods near um near birmingham alabama and uh doing that with a number of eos it's going to be 91 degrees yeah and there uh, there's going to be some some boats uh, by eos for everyone that that's the entrepreneurs organization it's an organization that Joe and I are both members of. So that's coming up, and that's going to be outdoors, on the water, in the woods. That's where I, I like you, to how be. How did
0: you pick that destination of all places? Alabama. Well, <laughs> 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 Nothing wrong with Alabama. I've only been there once, but I'm a guy from Wisconsin well, um, going all the way down I think there. They got, they
1: got some pretty fabulous country. Uh, but no, I mean, I have friends there first, right? I'm actually, um, I, I go there every 90 days to do their. I'm their accelerated trainer, Joe, you know what that means. But so there I have friends there and this, this has been in the works for a
0: while. Well, that sounds exciting. I'll, I'll look forward to hearing your adventures yes. in Alabama and, uh, yeah, we can connect more on that later. Yes. Well, if somebody wants to connect with you, what is a good way for them to reach out? We'll have some show notes so they can get direct links to different things, but what's the best way?
1: Yeah. So thanks. I mean, um, Email is always a great way. And I've got a rather long email address, but I think it's easy enough to remember. It's will at theculturefix.academy. Otherwise, just, you know, Google it and they can find me on all the social social channels. Um, But yeah, check us out at
0: theculturefix.academy. Great. And thanks again to all of our listeners. Uh, This is a fascinating conversation. Well, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I love putting you on the spot because I could see your brain churning like mine. And, uh, we had a good yeah. conversation and I, it's, it's fun to explore culture. It's a topic that's probably underserved by many. So thanks for sharing your time.
1: Yeah, no, you're welcome. Love it. Thank you very much.
0: And that's a wrap. There's another successful episode of the Fractional C-Suite Retreat. See our show notes and more episodes at fractionalcsuitretreat.com. This podcast is sponsored by your CMO helping organizations grow, save time and money with better marketing strategy and fractional execution. Visit them at yorcmo.com, yourcmo.com, spelled wrong on purpose.